Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best friend. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Well, here we are. I had no, <laughs> I had no into this, Mark. I pressed record and then I fell flat. That's all right, Hal. You know what? Whenever you need it. I'll be there for you. Oh, no. I oh. tried to avoid it. I didn't want to do that. No, you didn't yeah, guess what? It. You made me do it. <sighs> Fine. Yeah. Well, we're here uh, with a special guest who selected this topic from our list. Uh, she is a producer for iHeartRadio and also hosts Diamond Hearts Theme Parks, uh, which we have appeared on. KFXR Talk Radio 1190. That's right. You have. You have. Diamond Gray, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me, you guys. This is a real treat. Uh, it's fun. It's fun to uh, trade into each other's shows. Yeah, I know. I think that's pretty cool. And I, I'm actually shocked you guys haven't done this one already. This one has been on the list since day one. Yes. Um, but Hal is a bit of a uh, – what's the word for the fandom for Friends? Is there a word for it? No, Friendster? Friendsters. You're Friendster. Friendster. Yeah, I'll take Hal it. Is, Hal is a Friendster, and he's sure. come over here to MySpace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I – but I don't know enough about, I had never known enough about the show before. So I'd kind of resisted the topic, just like, yeah, this is going to be one of those episodes where Hal knows everything about the topic. And I just go, yeah, sounds good. Oh, but got it. Knowing that you wanted to do this topic, I was like, you know what? Let's do it. This is great. This will give, give me an excuse to go and watch some episodes. And it really is. Uh, that was your list, uh, Diamond. The list yes. of uh, the seven or eight episodes to watch. Yes. And I literally had to cut it down from oh like maybe 22. And I'm like, Mark's <laughs> not going to watch 22 episodes. I need to bring it down. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I've watched all the ones you sent and like an additional three because I was just getting really into the show. Oh, look at you. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. Like I didn't. It's not that I disliked the show. I just never really dove in that hard. Yeah. I was oh, on I it gotta- the first couple of seasons. I remember when you guys did your like best nineties, um, TV show mm-hmm. and you guys went to friends and then you, you committed the cardinal sin of bringing up Seinfeld for some odd reason. Like every <laughs> Seinfeld does, every Seinfeld fan does it when you bring up friends. They're like, well, I think Seinfeld had better writing and well, they shared a night on the same network <sighs> for years. It's not comparing apples and oranges. It, well. It, Kind of, it kind of is. It's yeah. like the, it's like the Family Guy, like South Park people that are like, you know, I already know Family Guy's formula, no, just all that stuff. But, right. Yeah. Somebody said a great thing about Family Guy versus The Simpsons years ago that I loved. I don't remember where I heard this, but he said, uh, yeah, The Simpsons you care about, they can kill Meg in an episode and you won't <laughs> mind because she'll be back the next episode. So. That's very true. Like they kill someone on The Simpsons, they stay dead. Flanders is a widower. Yeah. yeah. And you'd probably feel it more too. I do think if you kill someone on Family Guy, it's kind of, mm. it's not a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we're all waiting for it. Uh, well, this is a game of which friend are we going to kill, right? Is that what this topic is? <laughs> yeah. We're going to murder one friend. We're going to murder but, one friend. Before we jump too deep, first of all, mm-hmm. I want to thank Chloe, who suggested this on Twitter, and Rachel Rosing, who is in our Facebook group, 
thank you both for for suggesting this topic and, and for your patience and for your patience and diamond i i want to hear from you a little bit i i assume you are way younger than i am and i you know friends came out when when mark was in high school and i was going into college and it i remember the big sort of cultural event it was and i'm curious what your relationship with the show has been when when you started watching it and sort of what your what your history with friends is Okay, so I don't know how old you guys, but I'm 32 years old. And when I started watching it, I think, (laughs) yeah, I know I'm, yeah, probably a little bit. But yeah, so when I first started watching it for the first time, I believe it was like in the middle of season four. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I think it was when I started getting into uh, high school. So I didn't I wasn't on from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then um, I just started buying the DVD sets after each season. And then I went back and watched season one, two, and I think even three. So right. kind of watched them out of order. Did you watch it like from the very beginning? I got into it a little bit late. I was sort of watching it. I thought it was okay. The, you know, the first season of that show is, is a little rough. You get, you get sort of the outline of who the characters are. And season two is better than seasons. I put seasons three, four, maybe five and six up yeah. against almost any seasons of television in terms That's of peak right there. Yeah. yeah. They really had a, a good long sustained peak, but that initial. That initial mania when everybody had to have Jennifer Aniston's haircut. Yeah. I remember that was season one, right? Yeah. And when was, was that also when the, uh, the U2 song and the rain at the window and Ross and Rachel and the album came out? That was all season one. Season two. That was season two. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Season one is pretty rough, though. I barely rewatch it. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of, you know, you love a show when you say that sentence. (laughs) Oh, no. I barely rewatch it. Mark, I don't think you know how bad my friend's obsession. I, I told, Hal notes this. So I have a, I have all of the seasons mm. on DVD, right? And then when they redid it for the, like the, um, NBC and changed it for syndication, they cut out some of the funny parts that were in there. So I have the box set, but I'm not going to get rid of my original DVDs because they have those extra seconds. And then I have the Friends Seen It game, which nobody plays with me. So it's just up in my closet. Oh, my God. I remember Seen It. That was the the game that you used with your DVD player. Right. So, yeah. Right. I think I played that game once, but I'm not going to get rid of it. because Yeah, I'll keep it just in case Hal comes over. Yeah. Yeah. Then the two of you can finally nerd out together. And play it. Exactly. DVD games suck not as bad as vhs games did oh man i had some vhs games back in the day (laughs) i don't even okay i've never even played a vh i didn't know there was a such thing as a vhs game oh yeah would you guys have to do like stop and rewind yeah find uh, the right part there was the one that i had i had two i had ellery queen's operation murder and i had uh (laughs) which the acting in it is chef's kiss um the uh and i also had commercial crazies which was actually really fun. It was a bunch of classic uh, commercials and you had to watch them. And then there were trivia questions about each commercial and you had, it was, but it was stuff like how many windows are in the background in this scene? You know, it's like, so you have to watch super close is the whole thing. Oh, okay. That's cool. And then would it be like pause here? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) After each commercial, it would be like, now press pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's something so wonderfully clunky. tactile about a VHS, but there's also something wonderfully ancient and annoying. And thank God we moved past that. 
<laughs> I didn't feel that much younger than you guys until just now. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's, well, the world changes quickly, Diamond. And, uh, we're Xennials. <laughs> I okay. wish I was a Xennial. <laughs> right. Oh, you're I not a Xennial? Were you? No, were I you, think you're I'm Gen, Gen X. X. I think I'm Gen X. I don't wish I was a Xennial. Thr- oh, look proud. at this. Three different generations enjoying friends. Sitting around yeah. the table together. Yeah. A, a Gen X, a Millennial, and a Xennial. All, this is the one with the three generations. That's what we're yeah. calling this. It really is. And shows how well the show has held up yeah. over time. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I'm, I'm always interested because it remains a phenomenon and it's, and going back and watching it, I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. And, and in 2019, there's a lot of stuff to friends that would not fly now. That's like, why is Ross so oddly homophobic? Yeah. Uh, like there's yeah. a lot of that all in there. three of the guys, like every episode has a joke, like what? I'm not gay. You're at not gay. One, yeah. There's at least yeah. one gay joke in each episode. Every episode guys. Yeah. yeah. You have to scratch the back of your neck. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, all right. <laughs> but on the positive side, it's, it's one of the greatest ensemble casts that's ever been put together for a sitcom. Yeah. And it's so sharply written and, and almost every, Every episode that you picked was great. I, like you, you picked. I think you sent. I think you sent six episodes. Yeah. That six. I, I thought, oh, is this, is this going to sort of represent each character once? But the bottle episodes sort of capture everybody really well. Although you didn't have the the one I would have added if I if I were adding number seven, and I'm going to guess this was on your list. It would be the one where no one's ready. Oh yes, absolutely. I thought I had that one on the list. I must have taken it off. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's I will go watch that favorites. one next. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, co- here's the thing though. What constitutes a bottle episode of Friends? Because half of the episodes, they don't leave the two apartments. Well, the, the, it, the one where no one's ready that is entirely in Monica's apartment. Okay. They go, they go absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And most of the episodes do. There's usually like three, like an A plot, B plot, and C plot. And mm-hmm. they all somehow, they do, the writers do such a good job on the bottle episodes. They're all in one room and all three of those plots always like intertwine and somehow blow up by the very end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's a really good one. I think the Thanksgiving ones, how, right, are usually the bottle episodes. A lot of them are. Yeah. Right. This one that you sent, the Thanksgiving episode you sent where Rachel makes the uh, half shepherd's pie, half trifle. Oh <laughs> you yeah. That the a bottle one where episode? Ross- yes. Okay. Yes. That would count. <laughs> That's it's the one where great. Ross got high. That one's awesome. Yes, that's yeah, actually right, my right. mom's favorite. The one where Ross got high. It's, it's very, so very good. funny. It's so good. Um, I couldn't remember from the titles what some of them were, and then the one with the embryos. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, that's, that's the one where uh, they actually do the the game show about their their the apartment on who yeah. gets the apartment, which is funny because looking. Through oh, that's called the one them, with the embryos. Yeah, because they're implanting Phoebe with embryos. Oh, right, right. That was a great one. And that's like, it really does, the the selection that you gave us uh, does cover a lot of their details and their character traits. Like, you know, getting getting super involved in one dumb thing, like playing the game to see who knows each other better, mm-hmm. or the dumb game show audition that Joey has, and them getting super yeah. into playing the, the Let's game Let's play of Bamboozled. Yeah. Bamboozled, that's it. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, they, and it really does, uh, each character, uh, each character shines in their own way. Should we delve into this? Yeah. And do we want to go, do we want to go one character at a time? Yes. I had a question. So are we doing, are we doing like who's the best character or who is the best 
friend. It's a very to good their question. Friends. I think we're going with best character, and I think okay. part of it is I, I think we not like who would things. make the best friend. Yeah, because think, they're all hilarious, but some of them have some pretty insufferable traits. Yes. Yeah, they're they're all they all take turns being uh, terrible friends and great friends to one another yeah. mm-hmm. as they're as they're sort of uh, their weaknesses get a hold of them. Um, I think, I think there are a few things to look at. I think one is how good a friend they are. I think it, maybe we look at some of their signature moments. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think we should go by who we think is the, who we think is the funniest overall. And, mm-hmm. and I think we can factor performance in, although that to me feels like a watch. Yeah. They're yeah, all, they're, they're, all, they're, so, all those actors are so married to those characters that yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Okay. That works. And for we're me. going, yeah. I think that sounds great. And if we're going with best character, that's, you know, that includes yeah. all of that. Yeah. I think that's what, I think that's what, uh, both Chloe and Rachel were asking is Great. which one of them is the, is the best one. So w- where do we want to start? Hmm. Where, wherever you want to start, want to start, I have a fun, uh, treat, uh, for, oh, for each of these people. That's right. I'll okay. tell you what. Uh, yeah, Mark, uh, do you want to do it in the order that they are listed on this? Yes. And I want you to read. So, so Mark has procured the character breakdowns when they were casting the show initially. Oh, that's awesome. For those, uh, for those out there who don't know, the breakdown is just what the casting director sends out to say what they're looking for. Then the agent sends the people. Um, I think it would be fun if you read the breakdown and then we see how, how easily we figure out who the character is. Well, okay, then I, there there are details I will eliminate. Okay, because some of them talk about their jobs. Okay, uh, I see. So you okay. can say redacted for that, right? Uh, okay, here we go. Smart, cynical, defended, very attractive, had to work for everything they have. Redacted, also a romantic disaster area. Uh, I mean, it, holy crap! I honestly, I'm changing pronouns. Also, yeah, had to work for everything they had. It a romantic disaster sounds like it sounds like Ross. That's I I want I want to say Ross or Phoebe. What do you think? Dan? Remember, this is the mid '90s, uh, and very attractive is in the list. So changing the gender pronouns might not have uh, been that might have been pointless. Yeah, I mean, they're all okay. attractive. I, I was going for Ross too because it said uh very defensive and mm-hmm. a lot of his punchlines come from him aggressively defending himself, which is interesting. Hilarious. Yeah, but when you say have to work for everything, I think of Phoebe. Yeah. I'm gonna you know what? All right, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna lock in Phoebe. You're locking wanna, in Phoebe. That's your final answer? That's my final answer. Diamond, what's your final answer? I'm gonna go ahead and go for Ross. Okay. Um, you're both incorrect. Let me add the sentence what? I redacted and change oh. the pronouns. I'll read the whole thing. Smart, cynical, defended, very attractive, had to work for everything she has, an assistant chef for a chic uptown oh, restaurant, Monica. and a romantic oh. disaster of area. Of course, Monica. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was telling Hal before we started, uh, Monica has fast become one of my favorite characters because, did you watch the new Tim Robinson show, I Think You Should Leave? No. It's a new comedy show on Netflix. Very good. But his character just gets bogged down in minutia <laughs> and obsessed with being right in nearly every sketch. <laughs> and Monica seems to do that constantly, much to my joy. Yes. I love my, if, if we're, and if we're talking just best friend, you know, what mm-hmm. we're 
adding that, I feel like she's high on that list. Of like yes. the person who is the best friend to the other people. Right. Because, because of those attributes, just her being so meticulous. And mm-hmm. because of that, she's always the host and she always has yep. to have things a certain way. She's very, like, oh, she's very type A. Yeah. Yes. Very type A. She takes in Rachel, who appears in the, in the pilot, having just left her husband to be Barry at the altar. So mm-hmm. she, yeah, and she does. She cooks for everybody. She, she is sort of a, 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 not a parental figure because she's also very childish, but in some ways she does feel like the most grown up a lot of the time. No, she's, she does. She feels like the mom of the group. Yeah. Well, she yeah. also started the series. Arguably, she and Chandler started the series as the most grown up simply by nature of the fact that they had jobs. Yeah. And they're like, and, and Ross as well, but and, yeah, and their giant nice apartments. We could talk all day about their yeah. amazing giant nice apartments. Well, her, hers, she inherited from the, from their grand, their grandmother. I think it was their grandmother's apartment. Yes. That and she it inherited. So that was how they explained the, how she had that big of an apartment is rent controlled, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, yeah. So, they, I mean, they had to explain it somehow. They couldn't just say, oh, it's a television show and, uh, we needed a set big enough to move cameras around. <laughs> Pretty much like every other show. Yeah, exactly. Right? Based in New York. Yeah. Yeah. There is no apartment in New York with a fourth wall. Yeah. They're all just wide open. The couch aims at nothing. I remember going to your, uh, I think this was the first time we all went to New York for Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you and Annie and I went to your friend's apartment. You had like a key and we took a nap and it was a, <laughs> it was a one bedroom apartment that was the size of Monica's kitchen. Yeah. I'm trying to remember <laughs> whose place we went and took a nap in. Was it a, like a studio apartment where it's like the kitchens, they're all in one room. Oh, it was and- Katie's place. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. it was, yeah. The bedroom is the living room. Uh, Yeah. It was a great little place, but it was a tiny, tiny little apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we all just, I remember that we all just piled on the bed and crashed for however many hours we had till the show. It does feel like a lot of New York is just a series of dorm rooms. Yeah. And they fooled us into thinking they're studio apartments, but really those are dorms. They're dorm rooms. They're yeah. definitely the, dorm. the doorman at the front. It's an RA. Yeah. <laughs> you have to slide your student ID in just to yeah. get to the building. It's yeah, very- exactly. It all, it all reeks of, uh, of college. Uh, yeah. Monica's a great character. Her cleanliness and need to clean, like the things that get heightened about her are great, which is her need to organize and clean mm-hmm. and be in control of things. Mm-hmm. You have to eat your food over the sink as yes. to avoid crumbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, super competitive. I'm not going to lie. I've done on many an occasion. When the plate, when you look, I live by myself. There are oftentimes I don't need a plate. You so eat it out of the pan and then drop the pan <laughs> right into the sink. Really? That sounds surprisingly sad. <laughs> you don't have, you know, you're, you're worth a plate. Yeah. I know, so. but then, well, yeah, the, the flip, the flip side is every once in a while I'll be like, man, I did a good job cooking this. I'm going to plate this and then like full on restaurant plating. <laughs> then you'll set the sad. table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still eat. No, I still eat it over the sink. You stick a candle in a bottle of Chianti and put it by the sink and then you have your dinner. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Um, yeah, uh, Monica definitely is a romantic disaster. Mm-hmm. She's got, I, I'm trying to think of major boy. Well, there's fun Bobby who was a, who was a, a, a barely functioning alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Then you have, uh, then you have Pete, the ultimate fighting billionaire. 
Yes. Or millionaire? I'm glad you didn't say champion. Yeah, no. That would be false. <laughs> yes. He got destroyed. <laughs> then it was Richard. Richard, the, uh, the, was Tom Selleck on the show. When did yeah. the parade of famous people as guest stars start? Season mm. two? Because it really is like every guest star is a, and I don't know if they were stars afterwards or if they were stars at the time, but I'm like, oh wow, that's Giovanni Ribisi. Oh wow, that's Freddie Prince Jr. That's Paul Rudd. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. all, and Christina Applegate. It's a, parade of mega stars it seemed pretty consistent all the way through season 10 yeah Yeah. right yeah good on him well i guess if you're the hottest show in the world everybody wants to be on it yeah giovanni rubisi and deborah kerr were Mm. not huge stars i mean they obviously deborah kerr been working for a while but giovanni rubisi was not a huge star this was before that 70s show for deborah kerr and uh giovanni rubisi hadn't sort of blown up in movies yet yeah and then the three actresses i think who no uh, well Drea DiMatteo played Joey's sister in Joey. But then uh, Rachel's sisters were uh, were Christina Applegate and Reese Witherspoon was her other mm-hmm. sister. Yeah. Of Those were stunt casting. And then Marla Sokoloff and I want to say Christina Ricci both played Joey's sisters, two of Joey's sisters at different times. I'm remembering yeah. that right. So it's been a mix. They did mm-hmm. have, like, I think it was Adam Goldberg. I think that's his name. Who was one of the privates in Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. The the Jewish one yeah. who played uh, when Joey moves out was Chandler's roommate and was like a psycho. Oh, yeah. It's so funny when you look back sometimes and you don't even realize that that was them. Like, um, uh, forgive me. I don't know his name. From The Office, it's Daryl. Oh, Craig Robinson. Yeah, he's an extra in in one of the episodes really? too, and only has about two lines in it. He's like a DMV uh, clerk when Phoebe's trying to change her last name <laughs> to, uh, I believe, Banana Hammock. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's in there, and you wouldn't even put it together. Well, it was I didn't. Show. We'd worked with Paget for ten years before I knew she was on Friends. Oh. Yeah. That was how I knew her when we first met her. I was so excited that Kathy from Friends. <laughs> oh, you guys, you we guys know Kathy? Her. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, she, we did a show called the Thrilling Adventure Hour for, we're still doing it mm-hmm. all these years since, later. Since and 2005 and she's been in it the whole time. Yeah. Oh, that's She's awesome. been on the show uh, multiple, multiple times on this yes. show. Yes. I didn't even put the, put it together. I know. I, I didn't either. I, my sister was watching Friends when I came home for the holidays once. Uh, and you're like, and I saw Paget, and I was like, "What is that? Paget with short hair?" <laughs> um, oh, wow! But Great yeah, Monica. Line. So Monica, they, they all had these, you know, significant others through the years, and then ultimately, you know, four of the six of them wound up together, not yes. as one big quartet. You know, <laughs> we not don't that know. not that polyamory's not cool. Do your thing, live sure. your life. Live your life. But yeah, that's, uh, so, uh, do, are there any downsides? We, we, we've got a lot of positives for Monica. Do we have any, there's a lot of pros. Are there cons? The pros are the cons. Her dating, her, yeah, th- that's true. Her competitiveness and her cleanliness make her overbearing. Yeah. That people yeah. like, oh, oh my gosh, don't get her started. She also, um, ha- feels like she definitely gets obsessive about things. Yeah. Uh, and, and doesn't let them go. Yeah, yes. but I'm not speaking in terms of like character, mm-hmm. uh, character traits as the character of Monica. And I know you are, you are both very much in love with this show. So allow me to get a little cold and analytical. Um, Please. Uh, one thing I think that she has going against her is 
Uh, I found another weird website that has all kinds of mathematical things. She is the least mentioned of any of the characters on the show. Uh, really? Yeah. Generally, yeah. She's mentioned an average of four times per episode where the others uh, exceed double digits. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Again, these are all just little nitpicky things. I don't know. This is going to be hard because there's six beloved characters and we're going to have to pick one. Yeah. Right. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe she's the only one that didn't win an Emmy, correct? For just a... Really? Besides being an ensemble cast, mm-hmm. every one of them at some point got one. I think Lisa Kujo was the only one who won one. Oh, that was okay. my memory. Well, you could be right, but yeah. It's too bad that there's no way to find out. We'll never know. I slowly I'm definitely my phone. not looking it up right <laughs> now. I my phone. I know, right. Type in Google. Oh, no, you're right. Jennifer Aniston has one. Jennifer Aniston. Let's see. Lisa Kudrow. They may be the only ones casting. Matt LeBlanc nominee. They were all nominated. Oh, wait. She might be the only one that wasn't nominated. Because Matt LeBlanc was nominated a lot. As was is, Lisa Kudrow and and Jennifer Aniston as well. I don't. I also don't think no uh, Chandler. No, yeah, he also did not get nominated. Yeah, I, J- uh, Matt LeBlanc is the only. Uh, no, Matthew Perry was nominated. Okay, so it so, really was only. Oh, that's uh, that's so terrible. She was six. great. Yeah, yeah, four of the six were nominated. But then didn't she win every year for Cougar Town after that? No, I don't think she has any. That's a shame. Emmys? She should have Emmys. She's yeah. wonderful on yeah, television. She's great. I will say yeah, one is. thing about Monica. I do feel like there are some times where her delivery, I feel like if someone else were the ones to to read them, I don't know, something about, and when I think about her comedic timing versus someone like Jennifer Aniston, I felt like some moments it, it didn't land in the way that maybe the writers intended. Mm-hmm. That's the only bad thing I have to say about Monica. I think she's a great foil, though. She's great Margaret Dumonting the other characters. Like... Uh, she's got a great thing that Courtney Thorne Smith did really well on According to Jim, which he's the buffoon. And she, she was always great at the reactions. You know what I mean? That like riding the wave of an audience just long enough as, as whoever made the joke is mugging. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she's a good, she's great at assists. Yeah. Yeah. She can be funny though. She can sort of do it all. And she was, I think, the first female cast. I know the first, the first actor cast was David Schwimmer. Mm-hmm. They went to him for Ross. Like he was, I think, their, maybe their only choice. They basically, they, they just described David Schwimmer. They just described David Schwimmer. We'll see when we do the breakdown, but I, yeah. I, I think she's sort of unheralded in that mm-hmm. way. And her, the storyline with her and Chandler works in part because of, because of her. But I do agree she does get stuck. In sort of the straight role. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. really get to play wacky a lot. When she does, she does it great. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also does a great job of, and, and is one of the two characters that uh, she and Ross being them, that have friends but also family as core characters. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Of the core six. You've got, if you're dealing with four friends and your brother, you know, yep. that's, a, that's a fun thing to play. And she, I think, really does well. Should we move on to the next breakdown? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to see. Okay. I'm going to start reading this. As soon as you think you know who it is, just say it. Okay. Okay. Spoiled. Rachel. Rachel. Green. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the rest of her breakdown. Spoiled, adorable, courageous, terrified. Monica's best friend from high school. 
has worked for none of what she has on her own for the first time and equipped to do nothing. Great breakdown. Sounds pretty accurate. It's a great breakdown and also shows her growth over the course of 10 years of the show. Yeah, there's a whole arc with her when she's breaking up with Ross. And I think to a lot of people on the outside watching without knowing her history would probably think she's being a little, uh, I don't know, too much about her job. But mm-hmm. after when you know where she's come from, that really shows how far she grown yeah. by wanting to finally do something independent. And that's just hers and her own. Yeah. And she's and she does it expertly and hilariously. Yeah, she goes from being, again, this this bride who ditched her husband who's completely spoiled, has mm-hmm. no idea how to live as a even semi-independent adult. And by the end of the series, she has a daughter. She's ready to raise on her own and has become an executive in the world of fashion. Mm-hmm. So watch – and you get to see every single step of that process, which – of uh, she definitely has the the – the biggest arc of any of the characters that it's yeah. pretty satisfying to see. And it's a, a masterful performance. Obviously she deserved the Emmy that she got and all the nominations that she got as well. And, and she had to carry a lot of the show that, that early, the, the first couple seasons were the will they, won't they of Ross and mm-hmm. Rachel. That was what drew everybody in. And she had to play, you know, I, she had to play her her part of that as the desirable person who always seems just out of reach or is, or is just not aware of how perfect Ross could be for her. Mm-hmm. And she's also like, I think I think it was I don't think it was until later on in the show. And and Diamond, I'm curious to hear what you think that she really got to do more of the wacky stuff. And she's really adept a, a really adept comedian. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't till around maybe season six. I remember all the all the Vegas stuff and her flying out there and all that stuff. I think that's when, you know, they both got drunk in Vegas and everything. You really start seeing her be like a what's the word? Like theatrical type character, almost the way Ross is. So, yeah, I 100 percent agree. She's she's surprisingly hilarious. I don't think she gets enough credit for it. Jennifer Aniston, just in general, is really funny. She's very funny. Yeah. She's, it seems to me like, um, again, more, more as I don't have the depth of knowledge that y'all have of this. Um, and I'm also not a woman, which for this particular comment, um, might be prevalent, but it seems to me like in the creation of this show, or at least in the way that the show, uh, evolved over time, it seems like all of the characters, uh, like if I'm watching the show, it's like, wow, most of these characters remind me of my friends. Mm-hmm. But then Jennifer Aniston's character is like, oh, this is the one that reminds me of me. Oh, you're the Rachel. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a Rachel again, like I don't have the depth of it that y'all have, but Rachel seems like the one, like she seems to be the one dealing with the most, uh, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not as well versed. She seems like the everyman of the show to me. I can see that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think that's really uh, adorable that Rachel Green's the character you most identify with, Mark. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's the, I don't know what I'm doing, but these are all the things I have to do. So I guess I'm just going to do them. Yeah. It just, you see her. her and thank God I have my friend. Struggle. Yeah. yeah. No, I can see that. 
see that a bit. I feel like her and Joey kind of have that same type of arc of the being up and down and not knowing where you're going to live and mm-hmm. how you're going to survive and then figuring out a way to pull it out. Yeah. That's yeah. a good question though. Before we keep going, how, what's your, I already know that the care. I, I was going to say, who are you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely Monica. The I was going to say get, you're a Monica just and just from our conversations. <laughs> For sure. Um, <laughs> like game nights and all that. That's all me. Oh yeah. What about you, Hal? I think I, you know, I, everybody, I, I have a group of six friends who are lifelong friends, and I think we've had these discussions before, and I always want to be Chandler, because Chandler is funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm probably, I, maybe half Chandler and half Ross is half probably Chandler, where half, I fall. That's yeah. a good mix. You've got a lot yeah. of Ross in you. I do have a lot of Ross in me. Yeah. Especially when, <laughs> and I hate, when when he lives with Joey and... Uh, and Chandler after giving up his apartment and they have to, you know, for Chandler, it's living with him again. And he's, he's such a bad roommate, like so annoying in terms of like, can we keep it down? He's got his little keep it down physical thing that does not translate <laughs> to podcasts at all. Uh, everyone knows what you're doing right now. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows what I'm, what I exactly what I'm doing when I, when I mention it. Uh, yeah, there's there's a little there, that that's definitely in there. I recognize and embrace it. Well, we recognize it and embrace it in yeah. you, brother. Thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, I think Rachel. I think Rachel has to be a contender. Yeah, she yeah. feels like the central focus to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, she's not always the best friend. No. Um, no, but very, none of them are always the best friend. She, like they much, all mean well all the time. She's a taker initially Mm -hmm. but that's what she knows and then she blossoms into a more caring person but there's always a little bit of that of that spoiled child in her it's part it's part of her dna ultimately she's there i think you see how good of a friend she is really through the the ross and emily storyline where she you know is is has done the wrong thing but is trying to do the right thing and Mm -hmm. really just wants to support and be there for her friend as much as she can. And their, their relationship obviously goes through so many different seasons throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, seasons of like, there are winters and summers right. and springs. Yeah. Like they're so hot and cold on one another. And, but ultimately they, they always care for and want to do the best for one another. Yeah. I, I actually disagree with you a little bit. How really about that? Okay. Yeah, this isn't going to help my Monica thing. I hate to admit it, but I have a whiteboard here and I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I've already ranked them <laughs> between, oh, this is between so good. my, uh, favorites and who I think are the best friends. And Ooh. before we even started, I have Rachel like down at the very bottom as far as being a good friend. Okay. Is it just but because I've, of her spoiled nature? Yeah, just spoiled. And she's just, it seems like she's very self-centered and selfish, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, th- throwing a going away party that's supposed to be for someone else, but really to catch a guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What she did with, uh, I can't remember her name, but the, the bald chick, uh, when she wanted to get Ross back, I know she yep. wanted Ross back, but it was pretty awful. She convinced her to shave her head. Yeah. She went on a, she took her friends on a ski trip. And then didn't invite Ross. Their car broke down and Ross came to fix it. 
And then she wanted him to go all the way back home, even though he came out to help. Yep. There's just so many, even though she's like really high on my favorites because she's so funny. I, I wouldn't agree that she's, I think she's pretty terrible for the just, most well, part. Well, that's her, to, in her okay. defense, that the ski trip thing happened right after the breakup with Ross. It did. So, which I think ultimately, do we feel like ultimately they established that they were on a break? So he wasn't as, what he did wasn't as bad as, as she claims it is. Ah, I'm on Rachel's side about the break thing. Fair enough. You can't go sleep with someone like literally True. an hour after you guys have an <laughs> argument. <laughs> I mean, Listen, if you're I- on a break, that's how breaks work, right? That's the break rules. <laughs> have, have you ever said anything you didn't mean in a fight, Mark? Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let that settle for just maybe 24 hours. I feel like any decision. I feel like this episode is part. Let's talk about friends and part diamond analyzing me. (laughs) (laughs) This is an intervention. I think it's time to let you know. Hold on. Let me drop this pan in the sink then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Finish eating and then we'll deal with it. Let me finish. Let me finish eating. Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, all right, I'm going to move on to the next one now. Yep. Um I'm th- pretty sure you're going to get this one. You're going to get you're going to get all of these. Uh because the, this whole redacting thing is difficult. Uh sweet, flaky, new Phoebe. age wave. Yeah. <laughs> Monica's new age former, wave. New age wave. Monica's former roommate sells barrettes on the street and plays guitar in the subway. A good soul. Yeah. Uh she to me is the funniest. Yeah. I think she, I think she wins for funniest just because, uh, there's no other character whose lines could be said by anyone but her. Yes. Um, she is, every one of them is lunacy and said truthfully. And I think that her episode, the episode where they discover Chandler and Monica through the window. <laughs> and and what you think is going to be what you think like any normal human's reaction to that would be shock surprised immediate silence and then oh my gosh what am i going to do about this her reaction to it is she sees it and then just immediately starts screaming yeah oh my and, eyes <laughs> and it is it is so unexpected and so funny uh <laughs> for for me Phoebe is the, Phoebe's the MVP so far. And f- as far as like just being the absolute funniest. It's really hard to argue with. It's, she's, I mean, Lisa Kudrow is so talented mm-hmm. as, as an actor and a, and a comedian, like so. And so with it and not Phoebe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she is not Phoebe at all, which again is like, geez, even better. Mm-hmm. I, it, Man, <laughs> everything yeah. about her. So, the episode where she gives birth to the triplets that she's been carrying for her brother, mm-hmm. and and which all along there was never any moment of it where she where you felt like, well, she's gonna try and keep the kids. It's like she's excited to do things for other people. She is a, she is mm-hmm. a great friend, even though she did mug Ross when they were both younger, <laughs> but she was a street urchin. Uh, but that, that moment, I think that was the year she won the Emmy. Was for the triplets? The, yeah, that moment after she's given birth when she has to give them up. Yeah. Is oh, so yeah. good. Well, the That's moment when she moment. just sits down and has a monologue just talking to her embryos. Yeah. Is lovely. 
Like she is just, she is just a heart with a sleeve on it or a sleeve with a heart on it. You know what I meant? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now does she, she does kind of to me feel a little bit as weird as this sounds outside. If there is within that core six, an even smaller core, she seems, she and Joey seem like, or she seems like the one that is sort of outside of that core to me. Well, she's just relationship wise. She's also the ditz, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a, a there, there's definitely a stock character aspect to her and to, to Joey, especially mm-hmm. at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do feel like outside characters a little bit. Yeah. She didn't grow up with uh, the rest of them all know one another or the other four know one another from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. They established that they met when, you know, even. Uh, Rachel, obviously Ross and Monica sure. are brother and sister. Then Rachel's known them because they all grew up together. Then Chandler comes in in college. Then Joey is a random roommate. And I think maybe the same with Phoebe. I forget her, the backstory of how she joined them. Yeah, her and Monica used to be roommates. Mm-hmm. In the same right. situation, yeah. But that, that I, I think that that was just like, they were random roommates. It wasn't like... Hey, we've been friends for a while. Now let's live together. Right. Yeah. And it is fun that Phoebe can't have the history that the others have. So her history is bananas every time you get a new detail about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're like, of course she did. Yeah. There's an episode where she go, and it might have been one of the ones you sent. I, I also watched some extra episodes after after watching the ones that you sent where she goes to open a box and she just has a knife in her boot. <laughs> <laughs> But that's just something about her because she was raised on the streets. Yeah. Why wouldn't she? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Phoebe is great. Phoebe's up there for me. I definitely think she's the funniest. I don't know, like, arc-wise, if she compares with uh with Rachel. But she had her arcs. Her arcs seem to be not one big, all-encompassing, how do I figure out life arc, but smaller arcs, like the triplets for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh or you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And and her relationship with Mike is a is a very adult relationship, which she has mm-hmm. to manage. Like she becomes more grounded as a person, where she had been much more of a free spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that's in a in a good way, not like she is quote unquote tamed or or calmed down, right? As much as she just integrated into society a little more. Yeah, yeah. She gets married. She does all of the things in terms of settling. I mean, she was living. Was she living in a van for a while? Down by the river. Because I know her apartment was her grandmother. She also inherited her apartment from her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know she's living in a box for a while. There's yeah. There's jokes about that. Yeah. So. Uh, there, <laughs> yeah. I she, love this character so much. It's uh, it's a brilliant character. I think I probably, I, I would probably rank her above Rachel. Yeah. In terms of, uh, just in terms of the best. Where, where does she sit on your on your tote board, on your, on your dry erase. <laughs> so she, so as far as favorites, she uh-huh. is number five, but I, I love her. She was my favorite when I was younger. And then, uh, as far as being the best friend, she's ranked at number four, but I do have her, you know, how if you think of friends and if you ask like anyone that doesn't really watch the show a lot, I feel like Phoebe really like cemented herself with the smelly cat and her yeah. guitar playing, even, casual watchers know smelly cat which is mm-hmm. i feel like something that a lot of the other friends don't have she really put her mark on it so i i probably agree and put her above 
Rachel also. Yeah, she did have a whole arc with Smelly Cat too, where it became where it started as like a not very good song among her very not very good songs. Then it becomes a record. But like she goes through the whole process of <laughs> what it means to be an artist and not selling out and because they mm-hmm. they give it's like an over it becomes heavily overproduced. Yeah. It turns like a cat a cat oh yeah, it turned well, there's two of them, right? They the cat litter uh, mm-hmm. commercial jingle that they wanted to use to make the song out of, and then her friend that wanted to make like a a poppy music video out of it. Yeah, I remember she had the backup singers, the smelly, 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 bad, smelly, <laughs> smelly, smelly. <laughs> so <laughs> she does go through a, a lot that that I guess isn't discussed as much. Yeah. She's got, uh, you know, much like that superior show, Seinfeld, she's kind of a kramer. If you mention Seinfeld again, I swear to Lucifer. <laughs> Which is a Phoebe quote. Oh. <laughs> it's Phoebe, asked and answered. Uh, no, how about this? How about we take a little break and we come back and talk about the guys? All right, let's do it. Sounds good. Here are some of the other fine podcasts you can hear on the Maximum Fun Network. We'll be right back. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week, and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Welcome, everyone, to the live wrestling spectacular in Los Angeles. So far, the world's most boring wrestling podcast has been destroying the competition. Isn't there anyone who can save us from this travesty? Wait, could it be? It's Titan Fights, the perfect wrestling podcast. Titan Fights is here to save us from the monotony of boring wrestling podcasts with hilarious conversations. Woke trips through the history of wrestling. And joke about the finer points of people wearing spandex. What a match! And the Titan Fights podcast will be back every week. Thursdays on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Please, these hosts have families. Tyson Fights Podcast. Tyson Fights. And we're right right back. And we're back. Let's dig into the guys. All right, you ready? Yes. I like this game of how soon can you say it? All right. Intelligent. Emotional. Ross. Ross, well done, yeah. Diamond. Romantic. Monica's brother suddenly divorced, facing singlehood with phenomenal reluctance. A paleontologist. Not that it matters. <laughs> <laughs> the initial, I feel like season one, Ross, and, and a lot of, there's a lot of this to every Ross is a lot of him coming and going, hi. Mm-hmm. Like he's so mopey and sad because, you know, he's been through a divorce. His wife, has uh has discovered that she uh, that she is gay so and <laughs> and she's pregnant and has left him so he's got to learn how to parent mm-hmm. 
and yet he's the leading man of this television show. Yeah. Like, I think questioning. I think that um that David Schwimmer is the best actor out of all of them. I think so. Yeah, hands down. I think David Schwimmer is a brilliant. He's a stage guy. Maybe I'm biased. He's a stage guy from Chicago. He right. was one of the founders of Looking Glass Theater. Uh, and everything he does is so, you know, you look at, uh, Del Close, truth and comedy. Everything he does comes from a place of truth. Whereas like a lot, and I love Chandler, but a lot of Chandler comes from, you know, detached sarcasm. Right. Every time I laugh at Ross, it's because he is in so much pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He is, he is in so much real pain. And as an actor, it is, you know, it's that whole don't ask for the laugh. Just the the audience will laugh when they recognize something truthful in what you just did or something human in what you just did. And every one of his moments is a human moment. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I could not argue with that if I if I wanted to. He is a super talented actor. Also kind of like I think that part of his performance is sort of unheralded. What part? The, how good an actor he is. Oh, yeah. I don't, does his character really change though, or does he just become more Ross <laughs> as time goes by? Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I have. I didn't really think about that. I don't know if he's a different person <laughs> from the beginning to the different end. things happen to him, but he reacts every time the way that first season Ross would react. Yeah, there aren't many surprises to Ross as mm-hmm. a as a person. You kind of know what you're going to get. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But I think in terms of a character arc. That he, his quest is always the same. He's always circling back to, it's he's trying to get Rachel, then they get together and they, they wind up apart and he's got to learn to become himself again so he can try and get with Rachel again. Like that, he keeps his, his arc is just a series of loops. Like he's doing mm-hmm. a little loop-de-loop through the course of the show. Not That's that there's anything true. wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. It, it's true though. I, it should be considered. Yeah, that he learns a lot, but he doesn't really change a ton. Yeah. So, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many signature moments of his. I, th- I think their first date, or or the first time they they have sex with one another in the planetarium, mm-hmm. is a really good, like, sweet Ross moment where he's both awkward and, you know, you can see why somebody fell in love with him. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the emotional moments in the show centers around, I mean, it's Ross and Rachel, but when your heart's kind of aching, I feel like it's usually for, for Ross. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, the prom video one, your heart breaks for him. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many, uh, I mentioned the, the ski trip one. There's, you, you empathize with Ross a lot. Whenever the show goes to commercial and it's not on a laugh, it's usually on something Ross said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh man, that look on his face when uh when they leave for the prom. Oh, that and he's, prom and video. And he's got the the perm and he's come down with a few flowers. Just how heartbroken he is. It crushes you. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, every time. That episode is so sweet. It's very uh that is an emotional episode. And that's to a watch. season 2 episode, right? Yes. Cuz yeah. that was when I was still like watching regularly was uh was that when i remember that vividly that episode boy yeah. yeah he's her lobster yeah he's her lobster oh uh, i have but to say my one of my favorite comedy moments of his is when he's on the date he's decided to be a leather pants guy 
and he goes on a date <laughs> and the leather pants get stuck. So he can't, uh, I think he can't take them off or pull them up because oh, the, because the heat has expanded his legs. So he gets on the phone with Joey who's telling him to put powder. <laughs> Joey's just the worst. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. He's like, you take off the pants, you put, make a paste out of the powder, then you wear your paste pants. <laughs> it's like, just, yeah. Throw some of that on there. Like, that's not going to make it yeah. ten times worse. Uh, no they are – I'll say this. They are all expert physical comedians as well. Yeah. Watching and, – and Ross, just something as simple as pretending to drop a plate and then almost dropping a plate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great piece in one of the episodes that that uh, that you shared, which is the uh, – I think the one where everyone finds out. Mm-hmm. Where initially, so Phoebe is discovered, she has that great moment. And, uh, Rachel already knows at this point, <laughs> but she's trying to calm Phoebe down. And then Ross comes in and then they have to freak out like they're excited about that he might get the apartment. And when he joins in and does like, like the, it jumps in the air and flails around. <laughs> it's such a great, like, there's such abandon to that. Yeah. It's a really great comedic moment. Yeah. That's uh, Ross has. I, I feel like out of all of them, Ross has maybe the lowest lows, and after talking about it, and the highest highs because mm-hmm. uh, there's so many moments with Ross being theatrical, like him trying to rush to get to class on time, and he's you know <laughs> by the end he's like roller skating down and yes. doing all these like professional <laughs> turns in the classroom to teach the class. There's just so many crazy. Or I don't know if you guys remember where he uh, he was nervous about his his lecture, so he he created an accent for himself and then tried it to, to like phase it out and speak normally. <laughs> There's just so many, so many good, crazy moments of him. Yeah, where I think that Schwimmer yeah. being amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's so good. I think my biggest belly laughs come from Ross. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is, that's that human thing that, that he does so well, where a lot of times, like, you know, a laugh, you laugh because a joke was funny and the writing was tight. Um, he's the one that I laugh at because I feel his pain. And those laughs I think are so much more satisfying. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on to our next gentleman on the list. Handsome, macho, smug. <laughs> Joey. Joey. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, no. Smug, it's Chandler. Nope. That's Joey? That's Joey in the original description. Wow. Lives across the hall from Monica and Rachel. Wants to be an actor. Actually wants to be Al Pacino. Loves women, sports, women, New York, women, and most of all, Joey. That's Boy. the original description of him. Boy, uh, but uh, Chandler took that smug bell and rang it for him, didn't he? Yeah. And that's very Matthew Perry, like his delivery. and It's always fun to watch behind the scenes stuff about how like a week of the show is made mm-hmm. and see them come when they're when the writers are working up alts to his lines. They'll bring him in just to just so he can sort of test it out and, and workshop it with them. Not that they, you know, not that they were lost without him or anything, but just a really great. That's just a great collaboration between writers and, and an actor with, who they with know Matt is, LeBlanc. No, with Matthew Perry. Oh, I, I was just saying that smugness. Oh. Right. But we'll we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to him. I, we were talking, uh, Diamond. I'm curious your opinion on this. Mark and I were talking a little bit before before we recorded, and I I was saying how initially, and you could you can definitely see it in this breakdown that the writers didn't know anybody like Joey, and if they did, he was a bully who tormented them when they were growing up. So they <laughs> they 
wrote him like like dumb, self-centered, all about the chicks. And be- I think because of Matt LeBlanc's performance and and how great of an actor he is, that Joey became the the final like three four seasons. He's the MVP of the show. Yeah, they, they, he became like he has a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. But yet, in mm-hmm. the very beginning, he's very one one dimensional. How you doing? And it's just you always know what what's going to happen with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I I also think he is the best friend out of all of them. He's so loyal. He's like a puppy to everyone. Uh, yeah, but it, like the fr- like it means something to him to be either a protector or uh, you know he just whatever everybody needs he wants to be there for them even mm-hmm. if he can't afford it if it's monetary yeah absolutely he stopped eating meat for for phoebe just based off of her own personal views on eating meat while she was pregnant who would do that for someone else yeah yeah not me i love me yeah i, I 100 the only thing about joey is which i feel like happened on the office too is he kind of had the kevin effect where you know how you were talking about how they wanted to make him dumb in the beginning? The, the, his dumb jokes landed so well. It seemed like by season 10, they made him a five-year-old. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, though, that like he does seem to get dumber and dumber. But mm-hmm. like it's in the writing is so funny and so tight yeah. that there's not a single dumb bit that he does that isn't on brand for him and great. He d- yeah, like he when he comes into the off. Christmas episode dressed as Superman, it's just <laughs> oh my god! It's just yes. him wanting to wanting to ha- have this kid have a good Christmas, but he doesn't have a Santa suit, so he just shows up dressed like Superman. Like, and no one is expecting him to show up. He just takes it upon himself to do it. Yes, that's one of the best, one of my favorite moments. <laughs> it's so good because it is. It's it's all heart. It's all bravado and it's all stupidity rolled into one entrance. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Definitely I'd I'd agree being the the best friend definitely. Mm. But he does <laughs> yeah, he does uh suffer from the character at times being so dumb as to be unbelievable. There's one line, I don't even remember what line he's delivering, but you can you can see Matt LeBlanc start to crack himself up with how dumb Joey is in this line. <laughs> oh, I wish you remembered which one it was. I'm, it's in I'm one of these episodes. I'm going to find it. But you can, like, he cracks. He cracks himself for, like, it's like half a second, but you're like, oh, this is Matt LeBlanc going, oh, my God, Joey is so dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, you know, there's, what's that one, season nine or ten, I think? Where Joey starts to, he learns to speak French. I feel like that's when they cross the line. It's this one episode and it's just, all Phoebe's trying to do is get him to re- repeat like Jim Appel and he can't even get that. He's like, bleep, bloop, bleep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's just a step too far. No yeah. one is that dumb. Yeah. People know how sounds that. work. <laughs> right. <laughs> And yet, like, if anybody's going to deliver it, he commits to it at least 100%. He does. Uh, And and somehow he always seems to, like, whatever advice he is going to drop, uh, which he – whenever he decides to drop some Joey advice, which is always uh, terrible – somehow he manages use – he manages to use it later in the episode, unwittingly proving that his advice worked. (laughs) 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. He does that a few times, and I love that. All right, are you ready for your final cast member who you probably have already guessed who it is? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay, don't don't shout it out all at once now. <laughs> Droll, dry, a wry observer of everyone's life and his own. Works in front of a computer doing something tedious in a claustrophobic cubicle in a nondescript office building. Survives by way of a sense of humor. And snacks. I don't remember snacking being a big part of Chandler's thing. Yeah, that's usually a Joey thing. Yeah, yeah it, a lot of stuff goes by the wayside, I think, with a breakdown. Like, yeah. they cast a person and they're like, oh, Matthew Perry's not a snacker. Let's take that unimportant detail out. <laughs> yeah, he's an actor. He can't pretend like he likes snacks. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. He's not constantly hovering around a table of uh, peanut M&Ms that's always around. No, that's me. Yeah. I, I, was, I was like, who is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of you. That's yeah. Well, that's any, like, anytime there is a table with snacks on it backstage at a show. Um, you know where I'll be. They put the snack table there so they will know where to find me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, uh, here's the thing about Chandler and I, who I love. And I always, I, I feel like, a, like people who want to be funny want to be the Chandler in their group of friends. Mm-hmm. And it's a great performance by Matthew Perry. I've been, I've been rewatching the series from the beginning with my wife. And once you get to season two, all the characters are super defined. And you get, you get the episode where Joey, uh, where Chandler goes to Joey's tailor, which has, <laughs> not only has the, hey, uh, yo, Paisan, your tailor is a bad, bad man, but has my favorite Chandler to Joey line, maybe the whole series, which is, you're supposed to stop the Q-tip when there's resistance. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty funny line. He's mean though. He's a mean guy who's mean to his best friend constantly. Yeah, therein lies the problem with Chandler is Joey should have knocked him out at least 50 times over the course of the series. What do you think, Greg? He he definitely says stuff that if it was real life just wouldn't fly. But because it's a television show, we just kind of ignore it or the the characters just move on and say something else. (laughs) Yeah. Do – does it (laughs) – does it seem like he is like the least moral of the Friends? Yeah, maybe the least, the most damaged, for sure. Do you say most damaged with a D at the end, or he does the most damage? No, most damaged. It seems like his childhood just really screwed him up. (laughs) And now he's just dry and pessimistic. And Well, let me ask you all this, then. Since that description of Chandler seems to not be ultimately what they cast, how would you rewrite the original breakdown for the role of Chandler on this show? Would you just eliminate and snacks from the end of his description? <laughs> I mean, that description makes him sound really boring and depressed. It makes him sound like Mark from Rent. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at least, at least, if anything, Chandler brought the character to life. There's so much humor mm-hmm. that comes out of him, and he was my favorite for the longest time until my husband pointed out to me that I laugh more. With Ross, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he was my favorite when the show first started, too. Like, when I first was watching it, I, I didn't watch watch it a ton, but I watched the first season, and I thought, oh, this guy is the funniest thing in the world. But I was also in high school. Yeah, I wonder. So I wonder if it's a maturity thing, the older you get. Yeah. You like the immature character at first, and then the older you get, you know, you start to 
realize that Chandler's a real jerk. Maybe he's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he, he does survive by his wits, especially early on. He's like the friend that you, where if you met him, if you had met all the friends, you came over, you, you knew one of them came over and hadn't met Chandler yet, that at mm-hmm. the end of the night, they would have to go, oh, he means well. Yeah, you just need yeah. to. You just have to get to know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he's super acerbic. Yeah, I also think that if I got to meet these friends all in one night, I would. And Ch- my reaction to Chandler might be, "Hey, man, um, there's six of you. You're all friends. There doesn't have to be an alpha." Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like he like the character is angling for alpha all the time. That yeah. makes sense. I never looked at it like that. I can see that. I mean, it is a fantastic. It's a fantastic performance. Well, we, yeah, we keep we need the caveats. I get, but yeah, well, they're all fantastic performances. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. I, I ultimately, when it counts, he is a good friend. Probably mm-hmm. Chandler in a box is the best example of that, where he's willing to give up. Who at the 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 woman who at the time is he feels is the love of his life, who he's meant to be with, because uh, he knows he's hurt Joey, and it's more important to him to make that right. So he's willing to maintain a vow of silence in a giant shipping crate, even when Kathy, played by our friend Paget, enters the apartment and, and has this whole goodbye. And I guess it's not going to work out because, you know, she only has one half of the conversation. He can't respond. And that mm-hmm. would have been his chance to to be with her. And he he doesn't do it. You just see she leaves the room and then one finger comes out of the hole, the oxygen hole, and waves. And Joey – but then Joey – Winds up being the better friend for letting him out of the box and telling him to go after her. Yeah, that Joey. He's so <laughs> sweet, that Joey. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good point, how that he, uh, Chandler, it seems like when he's in relationships, that's when he's the most vulnerable. And so maybe that softened him up a little bit. And that's why him and Monica did so well. With oh, their- that's cool. Yeah, he needs yeah. a partner around to make him a better person. Although, when they're together, initially, when they're keeping it from everybody, they're terrible because they torture Joey by not letting – he has to constantly cover up for them everywhere. He does wind up – you know, I I think it makes him better because he he does become vulnerable. He's able to commit, which was an issue of his – I don't know that he gets closure with his parents, but he at least reopens those avenues of communication because he has a terrible relationship with his mother. And his father, he has barely spoken to. Yeah, and Monica kind of pulled that out of him. Remember, she made him go to Vegas to see his dad and yeah. reconnect and invite to the wedding. She she really brought the best out of Chandler, I guess you could say. Well, yes. it's not going to be Chandler if he needs all the other friends to make him number one. Yeah, I really came into this <laughs> thinking like, oh, it's going to be Chandler because I love Chandler and I think he's so funny. But the more we talk about it, the more it feels like – and and – See if you two agree. I think it's a two-friend race between Joey and Phoebe. I would agree with that. It is kind of odd that, like, in our Ghostbusters episode, we thought, oh, it's Bill Murray. And then upon reflection, we're like, oh, he's a terrible Ghostbuster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this, this kind of falls along that in that Chandler, or early frontrunner Chandler, has fallen behind. I would, I would say that that's fair. Joey and Phoebe. What do you think, Diamond? I agree. And I, I expected Chandler to be really high too. So, but mm. I, after talking about it, 100% agree. He's kind of mean. Yeah. Great performance. Yeah. Really funny. You know, sixth place out of a great six is not bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mo- and most episodes, he, he will have the funniest line 
Yeah. Um, uh, so, all right, we have Phoebe and we have Joey. I mean, I have one that jumps out to me immediately as personally the one that is my favorite. But that's not what the show's about. The show's about objectivity. You know, I, I uh, there's one moment that kind of jumps out to me, and I'm curious to, to hear what you think, Diamond. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's in season two, I think, season one or two, where Joey starts dating Ursula, Phoebe's twin, who is the waitress on Mad About You. And Phoebe... It's upsetting to her, not because she has a poor relationship with her sister, which she does, but because every time her sister dates someone, that person can't be her friend anymore. So she's scared of losing Joey. And she dresses as Ursula, pretends to be Ursula, and puts down the ultimatum of it's either going to be me or Phoebe. If you're going to be with me, you can't be with her anymore to sort of test him. And Joey passes the test and says, listen, he doesn't want her to break up with him which she's already started to ghost him anyway. But he says, I'm sorry, I can't leave Phoebe just to be with you. We're going to have to break up, which is a real character. That's like a litmus test for Joey's character. Yeah. And also a a, selfless uh, act of a friend. Yeah. But also it's a cool thing for Lisa Kudrow's performance. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this one makes them, I don't, I think this one might be a wash. Well, he also, instead of getting her a birthday gift, he gets a gift for her sister. I mean, he does, he is kind of a, an, an a-hole most of that episode. Gotcha. Until the very end. I don't know. I love me some Joey Tribbiani. You you said that in the, when you're like, there's a, an episode between Joey and Phoebe. The one I thought about was the one where Phoebe stands Joey up to go on a date with someone else when, you know, she made such a big show about you don't stand up friends, but it was, it was a really, a really important relationship to her. And when Joey comes out to comfort her, I feel like that was a really good, sweet moment too, because she was such a hypocrite, but he understood how different their situations were with one another. So they're both really good people and hilarious but there can be only one (laughs) well mark you're the you're the one that is the more casual viewer who jumps out to you i mean watching the show it it had been a long time but re-watching the show and the episodes that i just watched there is the one character that makes me laugh the hardest that i think is the most consistently themselves that is feels like the glue of that show and the As much as they are all brilliant performers and brilliant characters that create one cohesive unit, the one character that feels like the heart of that show to me is Phoebe. Yeah. Yeah. She she is sort of the heart and soul of that group of friends and the conscience a lot of times, even though she comes from a really weird place. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys kind of mentioned it earlier about how different the – the character is from the actual, the actress is from the, the actual person. And there is a huge difference between Lisa and Phoebe. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. And then talking about when like their character arcs, I feel like Phoebe landed in a better place by the end. And you can see her maturity over the time, but she was still Phoebe. Whereas Joey kind of got a little dumber, <laughs> even though he had like a, he had a decent ending to his story. But I, I felt like as a character, as far as strengths, he, he kind of lost a little bit of that Joey that was like kind of a dingbat, but still lovable. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to lean towards Phoebe. You nailed it. It's the character arc for sure where she starts and where she ends up in like a committed relationship, married, like learning to adult in a way she hasn't before, even though she probably matured faster than most of the other friends since she was kind of like a street urchin who carries a knife everywhere and who beat up Ross and stole his bike when they were both kids. (laughs) So yeah, people of the world, the best friend is Phoebe Buffay. (laughs) And it's like, she may not be the one that you identify with, but she is the best. She's the best friend to all of the friends, objectively. She has the best character arc. And Lisa Kudrow's the only one to win an Emmy for her performance. Oh, look at us getting it not getting it right with there we know, go. the awards folk. Yeah. <laughs> they're all they're all great uh they're all great actors. It's a great ensemble, maybe maybe one of the best ever assembled. And take the middle chunk of that run of sitcom and you can hold it up to almost any sitcom ever in terms of consistent quality and and great laughs. And and when you look at those friends and you're trying to figure out which one's the best one, you don't have to anymore. We did it for you. That's right. It's Phoebe Buffay asked and answered. Boom. Diamond, Diamond, thank you for being here. Oh, always, always happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, this talk is about my exciting. favorite show. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks tell, for having us on your show to talk about our favorite place. Yeah. Tell everybody <laughs> tell about everybody your show. About tell your everybody show. about what you're doing. I have a show on, uh, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, on Talk Radio 1190 AM called Diamond Hearts Theme Parks. And you can find the podcast on iTunes. And I talk about my Disney parks and the Universal Parks. And, um, yeah, and so I had a... Mark and Hal come on and we pick the best mountain. And then I had to listen to Hal and Mark pick the wrong place between Disneyland and Disney World. But <laughs> it's fine. It's the life I live in. We went so. with the nostalgia. We went with the nostalgia. Uh, gosh. <laughs> I, I was trying to ride for you too, Mark. I was like trying to like whisper in your ear, like some, some tips like, ah, but you're double teamed. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It was real. Look, it's really hard when Hal and Ken team up together. And start bullying me, Diamond. We'll talk about this separately over coffee. <laughs> what a victim. Yeah. What? There, yeah, there was no way you're going to win that one, but no. w- we know, we know. We know that objectively Walt Disney World is better, but Disneyland is n- the nostalgic correct choice. Listen, yeah. that topic like this one is closed. <laughs> <laughs> But we know you have more topics out there. We want to hear about them. So, so reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets. Check out the Maximum Fun subreddit or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash We Got This Podcast. Share your favorite friends moments with us. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thank you, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners, you know, no one told me that life was going to be this way. I mean, my job's a joke. I'm broke. My love life's DOA. It's sometimes I feel like I'm always stuck in second gear. It hasn't been my day, my week, my month, even my year. But you know what? You've all been there for us. (laughs) And we appreciate it. For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Loveland. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.